Bagger's on a mission And the stakes are getting higher Other teams in the majors Don't have a prayer against the Friars What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to these Village Times podcast. This is episode number 142. And Mr. Dominic Sturm is right here with me. What's going on, Dominic? Well, he's not right here with me. He's uh, stayed away in Arizona, but you know what I mean. What's going on, Dominic? How are you doing? I'm good. Went to the Padres game last night and they won. They won a game that I was in attendance for. That is a it's been a rarity in the last couple of games I've been to. So, and now on two of my last 15 games that I've attended. So, going again tonight on Friday against the Rockies. So, or sorry, against the against the Mariners. And then on Monday against the Rockies in the farewell tour. And then I also bought tickets for when the Padres come out here in late April. So, I'm How was that? Was, it, was there any problem buying tickets? Not at all. Absolutely huh? not. Nope. It was... Very easy, and I'm sure that is going to come to much dismay of a lot of Padres season ticket holders. Well, let, let's just go with the hot topic right off the top of the head. That's something that we wouldn't even think about discussing, but the Padres are taking a lot of heat from their way that they are handling their ticket procedure. I mean, I guess Arizona is more open than, than California as far as uh, the amount of people that can go into the stadium, right? Yeah, I think it's 33% in Arizona, and I know it's 20% of Petco Park. Okay, so, I mean, that, that's that's a huge difference, and they're trying to accommodate their season ticket holders and, and people that have been with them through the hard times, and, and I can certainly understand that, but for the average Joe that just walks up and wants to take his family to the ballpark, they're having issues. So, I, I don't know, Dominic, what, what's your thoughts on that? The Padres are a hot ticket right now. It's definitely a great thing. Hopefully, as things open up, this won't be an issue, but it, it is right now. De- definitely for opening day, there's a lot of uh, unhappy Padre fans. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and it's they're put in a really tough spot because I mean, comparing the situation with the Diamondbacks to the Padres is a very unfair situation for Padres fans because one, there is a much higher demand for Padres tickets at the yeah. moment than there is Diamondbacks tickets. Yeah. Really, just in, in general, and also the capacity at Petco Park is less. And yeah. there's also just less seats in general, like Chase Chase Stadium, Chase Field sits forty nine thousand people. Wait, 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 Dominic, you're you're telling me that Diamondback Diamondback fans aren't hyped up about the the Bumgarner signing from last year still? Oh no, they were, and <laughs> Bumgarner's Bumgarner's actually been very good in spring training. I think that Padre fans jumped on the ship when he when he sucked early in twenty twenty. You know, yeah. rightfully so. Padres beat him twice. They beat him a lot when he was a giant. And they said, oh, it's a terrible signing. Turns out he was just hurt. And then when he came back, he had two good starts. And he's been really good in spring training. So I, I would okay. I I would I wouldn't be too quick to jump on that ship just uh as in as as a baseball fan. I, I wouldn't be too quick to jump on that ship. But yeah, I mean Padre season ticket holders, they're they're frustrated. They're they're calling ticket reps and just yelling at them, giving them crap, and adding adding at Padres on Twitter, adding Eric Grutner on Twitter. It's been a mess, and I'm glad I don't have to deal with that, and I don't think you have had to either. Yeah, no, the Padres sadly have a reputation of bad PR and bad 
dealings with the fans. And, and it's a shame that in a pivotal season and such an important season for the franchise, it's starting off on this note. But, there, you know, it's it goes back to the pandemic more than anything than you can necessarily blame the Padres themselves. It's not as though it's the olden days where you couldn't watch a team on, on TV. You, you could see them on TV. You, you will be able to watch them. So, you know, Padre fans are just going to have to either shell out the extra money and buy them off of uh, online places or, or sit at home and watch them. There's, there's, there's your options. Uh, what, I don't know, Dominic, you know, obviously you're in Arizona. It's not affecting you right now, but would you pay that, that two, two times the, the face value to, to go see the Padres on opening day? Uh, no, because like the opening day atmosphere isn't the same given the capacity that it was yeah. in a normal year. Okay. So that's, like, that's true. Yeah, you can say that like you went to the first Padres game, like meaningful game in a year and a half. But at the same time, I don't think that opening day, like opening day in 2019 was much different than, say, April 5th in 2019, yeah. than April 5th in the 2021 season is going to be like. The, the, the main difference is that you could say you were there, but it's not going to be the sold out game where everyone comes in zero, zero. And, you know, it's a brand new season. Now, I mean, it is a brand new season with the Padres, but at the same time, the main reason that opening day is such awesome value in any normal year is because that game is sold out at just about any stadium in all baseball, because it's, it's a new season, but it's not going to be sold out because there's a limited capacity unless you're going to text Rangers game, cause they have hundred percent capacity, which was shocking, but same time yeah. it's Texas. Anyway, we don't need to talk about that, but <laughs> uh, like the be, being able to say you were there is cool, but like the atmosphere is going to be the same as just any other game. So I would yeah. not pay double the price to go to opening day than I would for any other game. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, I think, like you say, being at a game for the first time in a year and a half is, is something that's just uh, tempting for Padre fans, but they're going to have to resist that temptation if if, uh, if they don't make uh, a decent amount of money. Uh, at this point in the, in the show, we would usually bring on a guest, but you're just going to have uh, the joy of, of listening to Dominic and I for the next uh, half hour or so. Dominic, let's let's talk about this roster right now. I mean, it's getting to be crunch time. I mean, we're, we're less than a week away from opening day. Uh, 26, 26 man roster is going to have to be set soon by the Padres. There's, there's going to be some cuts. Is there anybody off the top of your head who you, you think will be optioned or released? That's going to be a surprise. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's going to be much of a surprise with what's going down. I mean, I think O'Grady versus Mateo has certainly been something that's been outlined over the last couple of yeah. weeks yeah. and O'Grady's been picking it up and Mateo's just been really solid the entire spring. So they've actually had two really good performances. Unfortunately, it seems like one of them's going to get cut. I don't think the Potters need to cut both of them, but it's what it seems like is going to happen. Yeah. Then when it comes to the bullpen, uh, I think a name that a lot of people were expecting to make the roster, but I don't think is, is Dan Altavilla. He's had a very rough spring. And after pitching the postseason and pitching the second half of last year, he just kind of struggled. And I'm not sure things are looking in the right direction for him. Six innings, 7.5 ERA and 1.67 whip. That's just not good. And for the Padres, they're a team that's going to be, you know, going to be wanting to compete from the start. And I don't know if you can afford to have someone 
who's not pitching well on your roster like that. Uh, what what about a name like Stammen? Uh, Craig Stammen got uh, roughed up a little bit last night. You were at the game. Um, you know, I, I love the the veteran presence he brings to this team, but they've slowly added a Melanson, a, a Pomerantz, a Pagan. So they don't necessarily need that when they had the the mass major, majority of, of just young pitchers out there. So would the Padres consider possibly – DFAing him. Uh, another option is Hassan Kim, who started off really slow and does have options to go to AAA. Would, would they really consider moving the Korean KBO star to El Paso to start the season? It seems like from everything that we've heard from the Padres and Jay Stingler in his press conference is that they believe in Hassan Kim from yeah. the get-go and they know that things are going to get better. And I think that's the general belief amongst Padres fans. Okay. And I know that you and I are a little bit more concerned than uh, a lot of other people. And we've had a lot of guests come on the show and say, Hassan Kim is not going to start off well. He's got a very strong adjustment period coming up for him. And he frankly hasn't adjusted yet, but I do think that he's going to adjust at some point. I think the right thing would be to keep Mateo and O'Grady guys who are showing that they're capable right now. Yeah, and then yeah. put Hassan came in the minors, but I just don't think that's what they're going to end up doing. There's still a chance that all three of those guys make the team and still are on the roster come April first. I mean, there's there's still a chance. That's we're not saying that O'Grady or Mateo have to be released. I mean, it all depends on how many pitchers they want to carry, and the extra spot in the in the roster that that's been given the last two years is definitely helpful in that manner. Yeah, and I mean that, that extra roster spot is going to be crucial. In normally in normal years for the Padres, I mean, you're talking about like that that roster spot being like, eh, like okay, whoever goes yeah. out and gets it gets it. But I mean, like this is, it's important, and the guys on your bench are going to have to bring in key innings. And I know we we've we we we've talked about this a lot, given you know the 60 game going 162 game, but it's going to be strenuous on the body more so than any other 162 game season before. So you know those extra bench spots. They're going to be used a lot. And the Potters have talked about versatility and wanting that to be a very strong theme for the Potters this year. And having guys like Mateo who can play anywhere in the outfield, anywhere in the middle infield, guys like O'Grady who can play anywhere in the outfield and at first base as well. And then you're talking about Ha-Sung Kim, who's played – I know he played left field a couple of days ago. He played left field. Okay. And then I don't think he's made any other appearances other than that game against the Giants. But – He's That's played it. he's played in the outfield. Like the, the Potters are showing that they believe that he can. Yeah. And of course, we've seen him play second, short, and third so far in spring training. I mean, that's where he's done the bulk of his playing time. But yeah. the, the Potters want to be versatile and every spot on the bench helps with that. So yes. Yeah. Sure. That 26 man spot helps a ton. It's nice that Tingler's gonna be able to utilize all these guys too. So, you know, just because they're not in the lineup uh in the beginning of the game doesn't mean they're not gonna be put in and plugged in in a crucial crucial situation, either on defense or with the bat. And and that's what keeps the whole team jiving and keeps them all going and keeps them all motivated and keeps them rooting for each other is that even if you're not in the lineup, hey, I might get that at bat with two outs in the ninth with the with the ring run on third base to to win this game. So it's 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 nice that they 
they have this flexibility. I mean, between Cronenworth and and and, and Profar and and Mateo and even O'Grady, who, you know, I, I don't know if I'd want to stick him in center long term, but he can play the position and can man it if needed, and that that's definitely helpful for the Padres. Um, let, let's let's move and transition into injuries because we're still waiting for Trent Grisham and Austin Nola to get back uh, on the field. Uh, reports from both. Grisham, Grisham is closer. Uh, Nola should be back or could be back towards opening day. I mean, we're, we're six days away. Um, there, there's still issues with this team uh, with injuries, obviously. I mean, they ha- they happen. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on Grisham and whether or not he will be back. And if he's not, who would be the starting center fielder uh, come April 1st? Well, I think the favorite to be the starting center fielder, if that is the case, would probably mean that Grisham starts on the injured list and that both Mateo and O'Grady make the opening day roster. And if that's the case, then I'd imagine, I mean, my choice would be Mateo in center field and, or Mateo. I I think Profar kind of rotates on, on that bench spot. That's my, that's my take on that, at least for this year. And then you could you could platoon O'Grady and Mateo in center field. So when a righty pitches, obviously O'Grady's hitting because he's left-handed. Lefty pitches, then of course, then you put Mateo in center. But from everything that I've read from Casavell, Lynn, and AC, is that Grisham should be back by opening day, and that of course is important because I mean there's been several balls that I've watched from the games, or at least from the way that Jesse's described them because he is our eyes for a lot of the games so far this spring mm-hmm. is that balls that Trent Grisham would have caught in the outfield aren't being caught. And Trent Grisham showed last year. He's a tremendous center fielder. The jumps that he gets with very good speed. Now he's not as fast as Mateo. No one's going to tell me otherwise, but the jumps that Grisham gets, he's much more comfortable out in center field than Mateo Profar and fam in that, that's that's what it comes down to. And then if Grisham's not ready on opening day, that's going to be a problem for the Padres, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, the beginning of the spring, Tommy Pham started off really slow. I mean, at one point, I believe he was over 18. Uh, he's picked it up tremendously. Uh, they put him in the leadoff spot and seemed to kind of ignite him. I, I don't know if we probably – I don't know if we potentially see him – uh, as an everyday leadoff type of hitter, it remains to be seen. But it's interesting to see him pick up his game. It's interesting to see him uh, perform daily and, and kind of solidify himself in that left field spot. It, it is a contract year for for Mr. Fam, so I would expect him to give absolute effort. Even though that's never a question mark when it comes to Tommy Fam. Uh, g- give me your your thoughts on Fam and, and his resurgence uh, the last week or so in spring. Well, you didn't do it, so I guess I have to do it. Uh, Tommy, I'd like to apologize on behalf of the Padres East Village Times podcast for uh, for being wrong about you. We said on the last, I think it was our last show, that Tommy needed to step it up, otherwise the outfield was going to be a big concern. And you got, we were both saying, like, oh, you know, like, what, what are we doing here? And, like, things aren't going to get better. We were wrong. He's been on an absolute tear yeah. lately. Of course, last night when I go again, he, he goes 0 for 3. Uh, with a double play with runners in scoring position, but <laughs> it is baseball, <laughs> right? Yes, it is baseball. And I seem to bring out the bad in the Padres, but to- Tommy Pham has been fantastic as of late. And I think he should be the leadoff hitter when the Padres face 
a left-handed starting pitcher. I've been very vocal okay. about Trent Grisham being the leadoff hitter. Now, of course, that comes when a right-handed pitcher is on the mound because he's significantly better against right-handed pitchers and as opposed to left-handed hitters, him and Cronenworth, both. So that's what it comes down to. And I think that you can make a very good case for Tommy Pham batting leadoff against left-handed pitchers. And I wouldn't be opposed to it if you want to bat him leadoff against righties too. But I think that Grisham should not be batting leadoff with Tommy Pham the way he's playing against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, that, that it's about getting on base, and, and Pham has proven throughout his career that he gets on base uh, and definitely against left-handed pitching. Uh, let's transition into Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr., who gave all of Padre fans a scare this week as he walked off the field uh, with his hands on his hips uh, in a game this week. Uh, I, I, automatically, we got all the, the Twitter doctors uh, st- stepping in and and – and uh, diagnosing his injury, you, you know, it, it's tough seeing him walk off the field, but I love the fact that he kind of was mature about it. He said he could have stayed in the game if, if it was a real game. He would have made a big deal about it, but it just felt a little something and thought it was important to come out. And, and, and you know, that's that's cool. That's, that's how you should handle uh, an injury that way. And it's refreshing to see him not try to play through such uh, nagging stuff like that. Uh, although it is a concern that the Padres have stated that he's had issues with his left shoulder or has issues with his left shoulder or has for a while. Uh, give me your thoughts, uh, Dominic, on, on Tatis, the, the injury, and um, the fact that he was able to come back, demolish a ball to right, right center field last night, uh, obviously not uh, affecting his swing. Uh, give, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean that that home run was electric. That that was yeah. fun. The wind was blowing in, right? I mean, no, the wind was blowing out. That oh, the, that that ball is not getting out if uh, the wind is not blowing out. But I mean, he still hit that ball really well to right center field. Like, there's no doubt about it. That like that that ball's out at Petco Park yeah. for for any perspective there. Uh, so my my thought when they said that he is an injured shoulder, like I, I'm not too concerned because of course, like he came back the next day and they said it wasn't a very serious issue, but the fact that they've said that he's been nursing this throughout his time as a professional baseball player, that part was concerning to me because yeah. there's been lots of talk about it to end the 2018 minor league season when he hurt himself sliding in second base. And then at the end of April, when he, I believe he pulled his groin anyways, he, he hurt himself stretching for an out at second base. And then he, he had some stress fracture in his back um, in August of 2019 from basically doing all this crazy stuff. There's a lot of talks around baseball. Is he injury prone? And, you know, you always want to side with no, because, you know, you you could just have some free freak accidents. But then you hear about that and you're like, okay, like, you know, you start to get that mind thinking, maybe he is injury prone. And, it, it was very good to see him walk out like on his own power and say like, Hey, this is bothering me. This game doesn't matter. Like you said, yeah. him showing yeah. some maturity was good, but at the same time, it's like, okay, like is this, is this actually a bigger problem than it might seem? And that was my thought because if this is going to be an issue for a long time in the future, the Potters are committed to him for 14 more years yes. and $340 million. Like if the Potters knew about this, it seems like they should have either like worked on this with him, like over the off season to like try and get this to not be a thing uh, before giving him a 14 year contract. <laughs> but 
maybe I'm just panicking because, you know, I mean, this guy's basically our franchise for the next 14 years. And if he's hurt, that's not a good thing. But um, I'm laughing because it's very clear that this doesn't hinder him too much. Dominic, you are a Padre fan. It is quite evident. (laughs) The 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 chicken little in you comes out right away. And that's just natural for us. I mean, we've been battered as a fan base our whole life. So whenever anything happens, we're like, oh, my God, this is it. What is what? You know, he'll he'll never play 162. He's 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 injury prone. The contract's a a waste. We're going to end up having to trade him in two years, three years. (laughs) Those things run through your mind. And that's just natural Padre fans. That's just that's just part of, of, of being a fan of, of, of San Diego sports. I mean, Jesus, uh, just take a deep breath. He's still very young. We still going to have to, you know, he plays the game really, really hard. And there have been talks that the Padres necessarily, I don't want to say the Padres, but there have been talks that maybe they want him to tone it down just a little bit so that he can, Function 162 continuously for years on end. Uh, it, it, you know, he came back right away. There's no, there's no issues at this point. So it's, it's really early to label him uh, in any way, shape or form injury prone. But uh, I, I just love hearing Padre fans response because it, it's just, it's just how we were brought up. Right. Dominic. I mean, whenever anything bad happens, we just go off the deep end. I mean, that's just natural. Well, I mean, as someone who, I mean, obviously, like, I'm sure my shoulder pains and shoulder injuries don't compare to his, but like, as someone who's gone through shoulder pain through my playing career through 2019, yeah, it still hurts. Like, yeah. my shoulder still hurts. Like, I obviously, I don't have to play professional baseball anymore. I know I can just talk about it, but I mean, it, it's a concern. It's a legit concern. Yeah. And it seems like it's not going to hinder him too much, but with the way he plays, if he dives, because I mean he dives in the field all the time. And if he if he lands about. if he lands him properly on it, all of a sudden he's out for a month or two. Like yeah. And you, that's you made, a problem. You made an interesting point that if the Padres stated they were aware of these shoulder issues, I don't know I don't want to say why did you sign this guy to a 14-year contract? Because obviously he's worth it. We were all excited. We I mean, I'm still excited. This is a franchise type player, cornerstone type player, uh, top three type player in baseball but it makes you wonder like wait well why you know how, how bad was his shoulder what, what was going on with the shoulder that you were aware of were you just saying this to kind of have his back or what you know what i mean i, I don't know it's it's just it's it's mixed signals as you're putting an investment into this guy and you're aware of an of a of a ailment you don't you don't check on that are you I, I don't know are we we're possibly, we're possibly making too much into this uh dominic but tatis is back there's no injury there's no issue he felt a little bit of a discomfort in his shoulder which he's had uh historically he's a young ball player he's played probably played a uh, hundred plus games since he was 13 or 14 years old uh so it's just wear and tear general wear and tear uh, he's conditioned a lot better now he's uh better physically he's at his peak mature wise with his body and his his just muscles and stuff so we just need to just just relax a little bit uh let's wait for the season it's just natural as a a san diegan as a padre fan as as a as a fan of san diego sports to just feel this this anxiety whenever one of our players goes down it's just just natural so uh Mr. Tatista made some big news today, or I guess it's big news. I, I asked my 
my young counterpart here to explain NFTs to me. And, and well, let, let, let's, let's talk about it. So uh, Tatis came out and, 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 and tweeted that he's excited to team up with a uh, NFT firm. Uh, for those of you that are old like me or, or I guess young like Dominic don't know what an NFT is. It's a non-fungible token. Uh, it's a unit of data. I'm, I'm reading this off of off of Wikipedia because I had no idea what the hell it was. Uh, it's a non-fungible token, a unit of data on a digital ledger called a blockchain where people can basically interchange NFTs and represent digital files such as art, audio, videos, uh, other forms of stuff. It's it's really futuristic type stuff. Um, this is the future, right, Dominic? I mean, that's what I'm told. I guess I, like I said, like you said, I have no idea what this is. I'm not like a collector per se, you know, I like to have bobbleheads. I like to, you know, buy the team set of baseball But isn't cards. this more than just, just memorabilia? It's, it's, it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this is. For instance, homeboy that was skating on his skateboard with the cranberry juice, uh, they went viral on TikTok. I mean, we all know who, who, who this is. Uh, yeah to the Fleetwood Mac video, supposedly he made an F- NFT of this and is selling it for uh, $50,000 or something. It's the exclusive rights to that image or to that posting, that social media posting, if you will. From my understanding, I, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. I am an old man and I could be just yelling at the clouds and with my fist in the air. I expected my young collegiate counterpart to explain it to me <laughs> i don't know why you're making this about me like i don't know because I, <laughs> I, I had no idea what it was and i totally expected you to be like oh this is this and this and this and this like <laughs> but i don't know I, I it's not about you this is obviously a, a brand new type of of commodity that's being sold and traded uh so mr tatisa is 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 in on this now and uh I guess in mid-April, uh, his own NFTs are going to drop. So I, I don't know. What, what do you anticipate seeing? Personal stuff? Do you expect to see art from him? Do you expect to see major league images? Is, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't <laughs> know. All I know is this seems like another thing about Fernando Tatis Jr. marketing himself. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's good for baseball. It's good for him. That's as far as I'll comment because that's as far as I'm knowledgeable on this. I like to not talk about things that I don't know about as okay. a journalist. I feel like that's my responsibility. If someone wants to figure out what this means for Fernando Tatis Jr., I, uh, you can go elsewhere because I, I have no idea. James has no idea. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm just the guy who rambles on and, and tries to explain it. Uh, let's let's move on uh, because we're just basically rambling for, for no apparent reason at this point. You Darvish, opening day starter. That's some that's pretty big news for the Padres. I mean, uh, someone tweeted uh, tweeted the opening day starters for the past, uh, gosh, what, 10 years or so. Uh, I'm going to read them off to you. 2010, John Garland. 2011, Tim Stauffer. 2012 and 13, Edison Volquez. 2014, Aaron uh, Andrew Kashner. 2015, James Shields. 2016, Tyson Ross. 2017, Jolice Chassin. I could never say his name when I Jolice Chassin. Chassin. Jolice. <laughs> Mr. Jolice. Uh, 2018. Uh, Clayton Richard, 2019, Eric Lauer, 2020, 
Chris Paddock. And 2020 will be you, Darvish. That came from uh, J underscore Murray 19. Obviously, I could have looked up the stats myself, but I wanted to credit him because I saw the tweet and uh, it was interesting. Those are some names. I mean, we're talking about John Garland, really? I didn't even remember that in, in 2010. I mean, you were young then, obviously. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you who John Garland was. All, exactly. all the other... All the other pitchers on that list, I of course could, but like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was nine, I was, I was, I was eight when that happened. Like, yeah, that, but he, those are some obscure names, though. When when you think about it, and and other than uh, Tyson Ross in 2016, who was was ace like at that time, uh, Chris Paddock last year, the the majority of these names are, are pretty random i mean kashner had a lot of hype around him and never obviously reached that we don't want to talk about kashner and rizno rizzo at this point because that's a real downer um it's refreshing to see that you darvish will be here in 2021 and, and think about the next 10 years of opening day starters and who, what this team potentially has i mean we have blake snell possibly coming into his own mackenzie gore Chris Paddock possibly blossoming into an ace-like pitcher. It's it's refreshing to see the difference in this organization. Yeah, Lamette, Ryan Le- Weathers, Weathers exactly. I mean, like, Morahone. There's I'm, guys. Yeah, there's guys that can step up and, and and fit that bill and be respectable major league pitchers for for a long duration. Not not that any of these guys weren't. I mean, Volquez had a, had a respectable career. Tim Stoffer was 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 a Padre Lore kind of guy. Uh, James Shields, we all know about. Uh, Clayton Richard had a great career. It's just, it's the the name value that this team has now that they've never had before, which is really impressive and, and is why this fan base is growing, is why there are people from Ohio, people from New Hampshire, people that have never even set foot in California that are Padre fans. And kudos to the Padres management and the Padres franchise for blossoming this team into that. Uh, it, it all goes from the colors that have changed and and, and, pro- and provided a, a distinct look to this franchise. Uh, it, it, you you kind of get a sense of pride in this franchise that you never had before. Right, Dominic? Oh, 100%. I mean, like, you can feel like... I mean, cause, I mean Chris Paddock, I mean, everyone kind of knew that, like, he was going to be the opening day starter last year. And after what happened in 2019, and then there wasn't exactly the greatest competition. I mean, I feel like a lot of Padre fans knew that Lamette was going to have a good 2020 season, at least better than what he had done after coming off Tommy John surgery. But I mean, considering the seasons that Chris Paddock had after starting an opening day, it kind of feels like you Darvish like is like a huge deal for the Potters that starting an opening day. And like the first guy, the Potters fans are like, all right, like this guy's our opening day starter. He's going to be great all year. And that that's what it's felt like for the first time since 2015 in James Shields. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's it, people are proud of wearing Padre gear now. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a, that's a good thing. That really is a good thing. It's a sense uh, of community. Um, San Diego state. I know a lot of Padre fans don't necessarily follow, but that's the most most known college in the area, the stadium that they're building uh, where Qualcomm is, is, is going to bring in uh, a lot more eyes to this, this, this college and, and this, this sports team and, and build them. And, and hopefully they can build and join the pack 
10, 12, or 14, or whatever the hell it's going to be called uh, at the time. It, it's it's good for San Diego sports. It's good for the Padres. It's good for franchises like the Loyal, franchises like the 1904 FC team, young soccer teams that can eventually hopefully grow into an MLS type of uh, of franchise here in San Diego. Uh you know, it's tough since since the C word left. It's it's really been been tough in San Diegans, and and, and a lot of this bitterness uh, comes from that. And and the Padres have a duty as the major sports franchise in the area to do it right. And for the most part, they are. And and you gotta love that. It, they are putting their best foot forward. Ownership is is going the extra mile. And kudos to them. I mean, it, it, sincerely, kudos to the, the San Diego Padres, the Seidlers, Ron Fowler, and, and, and all the the rest that, that work under them. Uh, it's been it's been a great ride. Uh, a lot of anticipation for the season. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But it, I think no matter what, they definitely won 2021. What do you say, Dominic? Oh yeah, for sure. It's I mean, going to be exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else we need to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, Anderson Espinosa made his made a appearance. Uh, was that last week or the week? Was it? It was last week, wasn't it? I think yeah, it was this past week, and it seems like that that was going to be the only inning he was going to get, just because he's not ready to pitch yeah, in the major yeah. leagues right now. And but it's a good first step. Like he came back, he pitched. Yes. That's awesome for him. And yes. It seems like that he's going to be able to, you know, pitch for the better for the rest of the year, which I think is awesome. Yeah, hopefully he, he can uh, establish himself. I, I wouldn't uh, anticipate him being a starting pitcher at this point in his career, but I think they're going to get some innings out of him out of the bullpen, and, and and hopefully he's able to take that next step in his career. There's a lot of anticipation when the, when the Padres traded for him, and uh, hopefully he's able to to live up to all that hype for the team. Um, Bullpen, anything we want to discuss bullpen-wise? It looks like the Padres are leaning towards Melanson closing. I've seen him come in in key situations, uh, although I'm sure we'll see Pomerantz and Pagan in there when necessary. Uh, anything you want to talk about bullpen-wise? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. Melanson's been solid so far. Eight innings, 2.25 ERA. Like, that's pretty good. And only four strikeouts. I mean, he's not that guy that's going to be striking out batters yeah, anymore. Yeah. Like I think we've we've known that coming in, but he's been good. And I, I would side with having Drew Pomeranz pitching in the higher leverage situations because I mean the save isn't always the most important three outs of the game. Now those are the three outs to end the game. But yeah. coming with the three hole hitter and two runners on and scoring position and two outs, you want your best pitcher on the mound for that situation. You bring in Pomeranz to get those outs like that. That is the role that Pomeranz could fill for the Padres, and that's kind of what he did last year. So I think that's uh, that's what he should do. And then Melanson or Pagan can close. Yeah, the, the, the team just has so much depth. I mean, Adams is, is probably someone who they're looking to establish himself and, and step up into that rotation as well, possibly this year. Uh, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to seeing Keona Kella pitch too as well for the Padres. Mm-hmm. Intense competitor. Um, let's talk about the Padres. Dodger rivalry or, or the potential rivalry. I don't want to call it rivalry because, it, it, you know, until the Padres really do something and beat them up, they're not, they're not going to ever consider the Padres as their rival. It's kind of a little brother type of syndrome that, that we have here in San Diego. 
let's talk about this season and, and the anticipation between these two teams. Uh, you know, people are hyping it like it's going to be a Yankee Red Sox type rivalry. What do you think? Oh, I mean, I think that for the near future, these teams are going to be rivals. But here's the reality of the situation is that the, the Dodgers have owned the Padres for a very long time. Yeah. And to be completely honest, they own, I don't want to say they own the Padres in 2020, but they faced off in four series. The first one, the Dodgers took. The second one, the two teams split. The third one, the Dodgers took. And then the fourth one in the playoffs, the Padres weren't at full strength. I mean, of course, we're not going to not acknowledge that. But the Dodgers swept the Padres. Like, that's the reality of what's happened. And every time you see some quote from Dodgers players and whatnot talking about it, it's because a reporter asks them the question about it. And everyone's like, oh, like they're, they're just yeah. trying to, why are they always talking about us? Well, they're talking about the Padres because the reporters ask the questions. And from my understanding is that the Dodgers don't want this to be a rivalry. They, they want to, they want nothing to do with the Padres. And yeah, they don't want to fire them up. I mean, right. why, yeah, why, why poke a sleeping bear, right? Yes. But at the, the same time, the Dodgers know how good the Potters are going to be. They, they, I think they have a pretty good understanding. The Potters are going to be the second best team in this division. They're going to be their competition for winning the NLS for the ninth straight year in a row. Or is it nine? Yeah, it's nine, which yes. is Ugh. stupid. But yeah. at the same time, they also know the Potters are probably going to be the second, if maybe not the third best team in the National League this year. So, I think that when you look at that, they, they, they know what's up. They know what's in front of them. And they know that this is going to be a rivalry, but I don't think the Potters have done enough to make it a rivalry yet. The Dodgers beat the Potters nine times last year in the Potters' first 66 games. If that's that, I feel like that's pretty telling of where it is. Like it's going to be a rivalry. Like yeah. Dodgers Giants wasn't a huge rivalry on the West Coast for a long time. And then I mean, it's picked up so much in my lifetime. I mean, it was a rivalry, obviously, when the two teams were in New York when they come to the West Coast. It's been a rivalry, but the peak of Dodgers-Giants has been this past decade. And right now, I think those two franchises still consider themselves the big rivals. And I think it's slowly transitioning into Padres-Dodgers. Yeah, the Padres are never going to equal what they've had. I mean, you you mentioned they they were rivals in New York with and they were both in New York. So it, it, that's the history between these those two franchises. It goes back a long ways. It, it, it's it's about credibility for the Padres. It's about knocking them out of a series. It's about knocking them around during the regular season. It's about just finishing above them in the standings uh, in order to gain that respect. And until you do that, they're never really going to – going to acknowledge you as a rival and that's that's fine and the so the Padres have plenty of bulletin board material stuff to motivate them to get to that next level and that's what they're going to need to do they're going to have to have that chip on the shoulder they're going to have to want to knock them off they're going to have to want to make them respect them and and that's what it's about I mean we saw the respect San Diego shirts last season right that's what it was all about um this franchise wants respect but it doesn't just come by spending money. It comes by winning games and uh, they still need to do that. So uh, a lot of, a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, anticipation for the season, but this team is structured the right way. There's plenty of depth beyond it. We, we, we haven't talked with any prospects this whole uh, podcast, but this team has a lot of prospects that they could potentially move if they needed to, uh, 
to fix a, a hole that might happen because of an injury or production. So uh, they are here for the long run. They are here to win a World Series title. It's not just winning the West. It's not just getting to the playoffs. The San Diego Padres in 2021 have the intention of winning a World Series title. That is something in itself to just say that, right, Dominic? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 cool. And I mean, on my other shows where I talk about baseball, I'm going to say the Padres are going to win the 2021 World Series. And I'm going to get crap for it for my friends. I don't care. Like, <laughs> they, they can. And if I feel like my team can win the World Series, I'm going to say they're going to win the World Series. Like, But it's it's nice knowing that they actually have the intention, right? I mean, you could always say that the past 10 years, but you knew, like, in the back of your mind, uh, like, they, they they're – No, I mean, there was never a moment in time where I'm like, okay, the Padres have a shot. Like, I mean, last year, 2015, a lot of fans felt they did. But I think the majority of baseball people knew that the team wasn't built the right way in order for success. It was more about a a show that was being put on for the national audience that that, look, hey, the San Diego Padres are relevant. I mean, we've talked about this a a bunch, but you're right. The the team's never, never really put their best foot forward in your lifetime. That's for sure. Uh, Although those Piazza Maddox type years uh, were interesting to say the least. Yeah. It's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I think we're good. Anything else, Dominic, before we get out of here? It's kind of a short podcast. Apologize uh, for no guests, but we should be back next week with the guests. Uh, give us some feedback on this. Let us know if you enjoyed us kind of rambling on or if you prefer the guest uh, type of show, you know, because I, I get a lot of feedback for the show. And the number one thing that I get from anyone who talks about our show is you get the great, the, you get the best guests. And you know, that, that's cool. I, I, I understand that, but I want a little more feedback uh, about Mr. Stern and I and, and what we're producing and how we can get better. Uh, what do you say, Dominic? Yeah. I mean, that's cool. And one thing, I mean, I know that we're, you don't want to like necessarily advertise for a lot of podcasts, but I saw on Fryer had got pitching ninja for their podcast. And uh, yes. I'm a big, I, I'm a big pitching ninja fan. So like, if you're, if you're interested in that, we're all about, uh, we're all about the Padres here. We're all about being uh, enlightened about the Padres. And I feel like that'd be a cool podcast to listen to. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that, that's what we're about is about bringing in the national guys to kind of evaluate this team and kind of give you a, a straight to the point view of this team and of the players, especially the younger players. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for, for maybe pitching Ninja. We, you know, that's a, that's a possibility. I saw that podcast uh, on the, uh, put it out through NBC and, and it was awesome. It's, it's, it's nice hearing a national guy like that break down Padres because as a Padre fan, that just never really happened before. Right. Even and like, what, would pitching ninja want to come on to a podcast to break down Clayton Richard and yeah, Andrew those guys? like, like <laughs> I'm not sure, but the yeah. fact that the Padres have Blake Snell, you Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock, and also yeah. Drew Pomerantz, all these yeah. guys, like, like, more okay, like more. yeah. I mean, there's like the whole staff is intriguing. I mean, it, it's, it's dominant. I mean, we got guys that are going to strike people out. When you look at the, the, the five starting pitchers, when everyone's healthy, they're all strikeout pitchers. I mean, Musgrove is probably the least of the strikeout potential, but he still is, is able to, to, to muster up double digit strikeouts in, in, in a, on a given night. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, 2021 is going to be great. Uh, 
as the restrictions lighten up, we'll see more and more fans. Uh, the hope is that by the end of the season, we're going to have 100% occupancy at, at Petco Park. And it, it's it's trending that way, which is, it was just a great thing. Right, Dominic? Yeah. I mean, I've been very vocal. If you can socially distance and wear your masks, go to the ballpark. It's fine. It's safe. You do it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Anything else? I think we're good to go. Not much else going on. Uh, oh, I bought some baseball cards and I pulled out a rookie Fernando Tatis Bowman Chrome card. That was awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was that 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 made my day. A uh, shout out to uh, RJ's Fro for for uh, prompting me to buy some packs on eBay. I saw that he had bought some packs on eBay, and it made me jealous. So I went out and I bought a pack. Spent seventy bucks on three packs of Bowman cards, and pulled a Tatis. Bowman Chrome rookie card that's probably about two or three hundred dollars. So I'm I'm, oh, I'm nice. happy. I'm happy with that. So shout out to Foco USA. Uh, they hold exclusive rights to all the uh, face coverings you'll see in Major League Baseball uh, this season, except for the PPE ones, the disposable uh, face masks that you see occasionally people will wear. Uh, all the MLB logoed ones are from Foco, and we are a uh, a affiliate of Foco right now, which is. Pretty awesome for East Village Times. Uh, we're giving away some hats, giving away some uh, face coverings. I have a couple bobbleheads on order. I got some Hawaiian shirts on order, uh, San Diego State stuff as well. Uh, so give Foco USA a, a visit. Uh, check out their website. Uh, they got a lot of awesome uh, looking face coverings, a lot of gaiters, uh, which are the uh, cloth type ones that like Jace Tingler likes to wear that just kind of pull up over your face, um, as well as the face max ones that go around your head. And uh, it, it just some awesome stuff from them. Uh, some sandals, lots of different stuff. Uh, check out Foco USA and give uh, them a uh, some of your business. Uh, Dominic, anything else? Uh, I think we're good to go, man. This has been kind of a, a rambling kind of podcast we put together at the last second. Uh, I apologize if we're not as uh, regimented as we usually are, although we're probably not very regimented uh, compared to some of the other podcasts you listen to, but you know, we are who we are. Uh, Dominic, I think you can take us out of here. Excited for next week's show, uh, which should be right around opening day. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I don't have anything else to add, so we'll just wrap it up here. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 142 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. There's just James and I, no guests, so don't got to worry about that. But follow James and I on Twitter. Follow me at Deemster19. Follow James at EVT underscore J Clark and follow us at EVT podcast to see whenever we post our next podcast and follow us at EVT underscore news to find out whenever we post anything at eastvillagetimes.com. This of course is the East Village Times Potters podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully you've gotten your tickets to any Potter games. Hopefully you're, you're not having to worry about your Potters rep and all that stuff. Hopefully you're staying safe and take care. And of course, go Potters.